Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. He's Nick Suss. He covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. If you haven't already subscribed, rate review Talk of Champions at iTunes. And when you do, leave a five star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. This podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Hey, Nick, what's up, man? Hey, buddy. I'm happy to be back again. Let's always keep talking. I feel like I get you back every other week now just because I enjoy talking to you. I, I will tell you, I, I appreciate you having me on, and I do appreciate appreciate your listener base because I've been getting a lot more responses about this podcast than I do about my own stories, and that is uh, a disconcerting, but b flattering that, that you listeners are enjoying my uh, my appearances here. Also nice. I was about to say it's also nice. It's a good thing that people like to hear from you. I feel like you kind of try to find the bad in everything. No, no, I'm a I'm a very optimistic person, okay. especially right. compared against present company. But <laughs> that's uh, true. Most sports journalists, I think, I'm very optimistic. It's true. It's true. I was projecting my own feelings towards things onto you. There, see, here we are. We're already down the rabbit hole. But I did see on Twitter somebody said, "Hey Ben, get Nick back on." And when that's cool with me, I love talking to Nick. And Nick fills time more than anybody else. Nick can fill some time. <laughs> so how are you feeling now that Ole Miss has lost to Auburn? I wrote it this week. I'm sure you wrote something or talked about it, but the same team that beat Tennessee and LSU lost to Auburn. All of the things that we've been saying for weeks, oh, well, there's injury issues, and oh, the defense is inconsistent. No, these penalties are piling up. That's why they lost. None of this was a blindside. It's not like Auburn came out and were the, what was it, the 08 Miami Dolphins running the Wildcat to surprise everybody. There wasn't anything shocking about it it's just Auburn did the things that take Ole Miss out of its game they they stacked the box with cover three to force the RPOs to be pass plays and take out Ole Miss's running game the weapons on the outside weren't there so they couldn't really make the big plays the defense had one or one and a half bad quarters as it almost always does and there were 11 penalties I only think six or seven were accepted but Ole Miss kept shooting itself in the foot where it could so I mean this is the team it's been all year this time it came back to haunt them because they were playing on the road against the top 25 team. But I can't say any of this is shocking. I don't think you can either. No. Does it change your outlook at all? I was always skeptical that the A&M game was going to be easy. And I've always been skeptical that the Egg Bowl was going to be easy. We've Same. talked about this a bunch, but especially with the way State really, really looked good against Kentucky. Um, here's the thing I'll say. Uh, from the comfort of my own home where I can't be attacked. State's resume is better than Ole Miss's right now. So we'll see how that game goes on Thanksgiving. But I don't know. We'll we'll see. I I think this team is about what it is. You really, really hope that either Drummond or Sanders can get on the field this weekend just as proof that Corral's not playing with his B and C squad because I was out there 
in the spring when they were doing scrimmages and the only receiver options were Quay Davis and Jacor Pearson and uh, some of these other guys. And it didn't look good. This is not even Corral can overcome some of this stuff. So you got to hope one of those guys comes out for the sake of the offense, but short of that, not really any difference from what I thought this team was a week ago. I keep getting asked about Quay Davis and my response is the same. If he could help them win, he'd be out there. He's just behind other guys. But so like, I've got a story about this going up tomorrow morning. So by the time you guys are listening to this, you can probably go read this too. The thing Kiffin is best at, and the thing we've been saying he's best at for more than two years now is building around what his roster looks like. But it seems to me like they're throwing Jaden Jackson and Dennis Jackson out there to just kind of be discount Jonathan Mingo and be discount uh, Brandon Sanders. They're not changing anything. And, and my question is, if he says there's talent in the receiver room, and it's not just Quay Davis, if it's Brandon Buckhalter, if it's a healthy Braylon Brown, if it's a he- healthy J.J. Henry, if it's a remember Mark Britt, if it's a healthy Mark Britt, if it's any of these guys that could theoretically help your team, do something different. Find something new. And maybe this was the tipping point. Maybe the Auburn game was proof of anti-concept or however you would say that phrase of, well, it's not working with these guys. Now we have to fit the offense to do what those guys do. And if the issue is, oh, the playbook's too complicated, it's too abstract for some of these younger guys, simplify, find things to take advantage of the talent you have on the roster. Because you can say, oh, if Quay Davis could contribute, he'd be contributing right now. Well, that's three starts for Jaden Jackson and he has five catches. That's six games played for Dennis Jackson this year. That's five catches. John Rex Plumlee's played receiver in eight games this year, and he has fewer receiving yards this season than he had in the Outback Bowl. Something's not working with these second options, so change it. I feel as if these coaches more go towards process in believing in system than they do players, because I think you hit on the most important thing. If it was working. I would believe that if if it was anybody but Kiffin. But Kiffin doesn't have a scheme. He has players. No, that's, that's true. Kind of I've been saying that. Yep. I've been saying that his entire offense, his entire philosophy, his scheme, it's not dictated by players. He fits around what he has, and I don't think they've necessarily done a great job of doing that with what they have. But what do they have in Quay Davis? We don't know. Mark Britt. See, when I hear those guys, when I hear those names, my brain goes somewhere else because now that we've moved to on three, the Ole Miss Spirit is now on on three, olmspirit.com, affiliate of on three.com. Now that we've moved over, I'm covering recruiting primarily. I'm starting to scale back team coverage. Once we get our full staff in place, we've already announced Zach, we've already announced Jake. Once we get them in place and get them rolling, I'll be focused mainly on recruiting. So when I hear Quay Davis, Mark Britt, I look at the number crunch that they're about to face in December. Yeah. And who knows? We, we may be covering a coaching search in December. We don't know. Because I do think if a certain job comes open that Lane Kiffin's going to be going after it. We know that LSU is at least considering Lane Kiffin. We could talk about that in just a little bit. Jeff Levy is certainly a candidate at Texas Tech. But when I hear those names, I don't think, how could they help? I think, oh, they've already given up on those guys. And those are going to be some of the 20 guys they might have to process or decide to leave the program at the end of the year because they're going to have to do that. The number is going to be significant in December as far as the amount of guys that leave the attrition it's going to be a big number because it has to be because they can sign their 32 and any program worth its salt is going to sign its 32 but now the hard cap is back to 85 they expanded it to the ncaa because of covid and say you had 16 seniors well if all of them came back you rostered 106 players or whatever it was now you have to get back down to 85 so they're going to yeah. be cutting a lot of players so those players that aren't playing that you're asking about 
I'm not thinking, oh, where's Quay Davis? I'm thinking, is he one of the ones they've given up on? Is he one of the ones that they're going to let walk? It's going to be a very busy portal come December or whatever it is. Yeah, which is kind of why my take is that use them this week. If, give them a shot. Yeah, see what you like, got. I, I'm not saying that Jaden Jackson is not a good receiver. I'm just saying we've seen him for three years. We know what Jaden Jackson has. We have no clue what Brandon Buckhalter has. Well, the freshmen are different for me than Quay Davis, who's a Juco. Because someone asked me, okay, Quay Davis, is is he redshirting? No, you're not going to redshirt a Juco, especially with the numbers crunch that they're facing in December. Yeah. The freshmen, Braylon Brown, they love Braylon Brown. They love Brandon Buckhalter. They love J.J. Henry. And J.J. Henry actually played a snap two weeks ago. I would be curious to know why those guys aren't getting more run unless they're banged up. Because Braylon was banged up. If he's not banged up, if he's healthy, which we think he is – then yes, they, those guys, I would like to see those guys. But Quay Davis, Mark Britt, even Jaden Jackson, we do know what they are. Well, maybe not Quay, but we saw what Quay was in the spring. We thought, oh, Quay is the guy that's going to be the slot receiver to start game one. But you're seeing some guys at least take advantage and emerge and prove that they can bring something viable, and that includes Shakur Pearson, who was really good against Auburn. My whole trepidation in regards to Auburn going into that game. And I had to flip my prediction from an Auburn win to an Ole Miss win only because Ole Miss had done such a good job of no matter the adversity it faced of still winning games. And it's so cliche and they kept saying this, but find a way to win. And they did. They found ways to win. But I kept saying to myself, there's going to come a time when these injuries, which are significant, are going to catch up to them. Ben Brown being lost for the year. Orlando Umana having to slide to guard. Caleb Warren, yes, he's back, but is he really back? Because he looks hobbled. Braylon Sanders, Jonathan Mingo. At some point, it's not going to go well in an adverse situation, and you're going to lose. And that happened against Auburn. Because if I'd have told you, well, in the second half at Auburn, they're only going to give up three points, and they're going to turn Auburn over in the second half. You said, oh, they won in a walk. Even if they were behind, they came back and they won in a walk. And they didn't. It was only offense. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And I will acknowledge that Auburn's defense has given Ole Miss fits for a while now. Auburn's defense was also probably the best against Ole Miss of any defense last year, and that's counting the games when Corral turns the ball over 11 times. But that was a different coach. It was a different coach. I, I know. I'm just saying, like, let's let's take a bigger picture. With They have an incredibly talented defense. Let's also take the bigger picture of Matt Corral's playing, what would you say, 60%, 70% health right now? I'll give you 60. I really find it hard to believe that he's at 70% because he does not look right. Dude's like, I mean, we, if you want to take the microcosm of the entire game as just the one interception of how hard things are for him right now, the receivers on the field for that interception were Ja'Cour Pearson, John Rice Plumley, and Dennis Jackson. Yeah. Starting off there, you're, and uh, Casey Kelly was his tight end. So that's four guys who were not starters at the beginning of the year. Who to be fair, to be fair, Casey is an improvement as far as a receiver over Chase Rogers. Is a run blocker? No. Sure, sure. But yeah. sure. I'm just saying, big picture, that was the talent he had around him. And then smaller picture, dude is rolling to his right, evades a rusher. We saw this so many times first game, first six games of the season. Rolls to his right, evades a rusher tucks it, gets out of bounds three, four yards later, second and six. Something is stopping him from doing that right now. And it's a gigantic, obvious something. But dude went back into 2019 playing for Rich Rod Hero Ball mode where he had to make up something on the fly. And he threw an incredible pass that was two seconds late. 
And we haven't seen that much from Corral this year, but as I've said on this podcast for three years, the big concern with Corral is when he goes into improvisation mode. And that was probably the second or third time we've seen him go into improvisation mode this year. And it's because he doesn't seem to trust the people around him that much. And he can say he does, and he can believe he does, but it's, it's kind of hard to ignore that it's human nature to not know or to know that your second options are going to be worse than your first options. It's completely forgivable for him to be pressing right now. I agree. Because when I look at how he's playing, he's still playing well, but there are some old tendencies falling back on, and I get why. I get why. Because there is a big drop-off from John Rice Pumley and Dontario Drummond, or excuse me, Dontario Drummond to John Rice Pumley, or even Dennis Jackson and Braylon Sanders or Jonathan Mingo, when Lane Kiffin is saying before the year that he felt like he had one of the best wide receiver groups in the country, not just in the SEC, in the country, one of the best top threes with Braylon Sanders and Jonathan Mingo and Dontario Drummond, and to lose the first top two before the game even started, and then Dontario Drummond in game, at some point, those injuries are going to come back and haunt you. And it just doesn't matter how good Matt Corral is. And I would argue he's one of the top five players in college football this year. It doesn't matter. He's not Superman. He was going to fall back into some bad habits. And when he did fall back into those bad habits, that's when Ole Miss was going to get in trouble. And now it brings Liberty into question, even though Liberty isn't any good. And I've had everyone saying, oh, Ben, no, it's, it's going to be fine. Ole Miss is going to beat the crap out of Liberty. Liberty sucks. But I'm telling you, it's the same gut feeling I had when Ole Miss went to Memphis and lost. Robert Kimdichie got a concussion. Laquan Treadwell pass failed again. All this stuff happened in that game, and I'm feeling that exact same way about Liberty. Not saying that Ole Miss is going to lose, but I do not have any kind of strong feeling now. And it's not just because Ole Miss lost at Auburn, but everything that it's dealing with. And now you look at the line, it's only 10 points at home for Liberty, which is going to be their Super Bowl. I, I will say, though, if Ole Miss doesn't run for like 330 against Liberty, something has gone pretty terribly wrong. Well, where's Jerry on Ely? So Kiffin today at the press conference said, and I'm prefacing this by saying this is what he said. This is not my opinion. Said that when Auburn was giving cover three extra man in the box looks and Ole Miss had a heavy RPO game plan, that meant you got the throw read just about every time and they happened to be running a lot of RPO-heavy looks on the drives when Ely was planned to be on the field. So he was out there a lot, but he wasn't touching the ball. If that's the case, either A, okay, or B, call different plays when you see it. they're taking your most dynamic, healthy player out of the game. Is he their most dynamic, healthy player, though? Are we giving him too much credit at this point? I don't know. I really think that he's – we've seen his speed when his speed is his speed. He's untouchable sometimes. But Kiffin had a problem but, with that too. He said he's supposed to be the speed back, yeah. and they called him out on it, yeah. saying you haven't been that. Yeah. So that's why I asked the question. I love Jerry Ely. I love the kid. I think he's dynamic talent. Just asking the question because I know what Lane Kiffin said. Yeah. I would still say that given the options they have, he's their most dynamic, healthy option. Snoop Connor is a lot of things, but the word dynamic doesn't exactly come to mind. I disagree. And I, he's a great, great running back. As a downhill Ooh. runner, he is dynamic. I don't think there's such a thing as a dynamic <laughs> downhill runner. Are you describing like Eric Dickerson? Frank like Gore? One be Frank Gore, Frank, sir. How do you be dynamic between the tackles? I don't know. Wait, either how, way. Are you saying that you can only be dynamic if you do flashy things on the field? 
I'm saying dynamic moves happen in space. Are you saying Snoop Connor isn't good in space? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that Snoop Connor is explosive. So what is the difference between explosive and dynamic? It's the difference between creating your own opportunities and, (laughs) uh, in Snoop's case, what's the phrase I'm looking for? I don't know. Um, Executing on opportunities in front of you. I don't think he creates. I think that he sees a hole when he hits it and he explodes through and that's amazing. And I think he sees the guys in front of him and he lowers his shoulder and he falls forward. You know what this feels like? You know what this feels like? This feels a lot like the Tom Brady system quarterback argument. Oh, it could be if you want it to be. But I think it's more about the difference between somebody who can be in a situation where he should be stopped and work his way out of it. And somebody who is really, really good at taking advantage of situations where he should thrive. So when Snoop Connor runs over two guys, that's not dynamic to you in space runs over two guys and gets in the end zone. That's not dynamic. I don't think I'd use the word dynamic, but I think at this point we're just being pedantic for the sake of being pedantic. That's true. Yes. Yes. That's a lot of our conversations though, Nick. Yeah. Going to jump right back to Nick Suss in this edition of Talk of Champions after we hear from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman, two more proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. I want to make something clear. I am not going to question Lane Kiffin. He's forgotten more football than I'll ever know. But why isn't Jerry Ailey splitting out? If your wide receiver group is so banged up and he can catch the ball, why wouldn't he split out? I'm a novice. I don't know. I mean, I had somebody ask me that question last week. And all I will say about that person's credentials is he spent a decade playing running back in the NFL. And he asked me why Ailey isn't splitting out. So you talk to Deuce? He's a good friend of the pod. There are more, multiple people that think that. <laughs> I talked to I talked to Eddie Payton last week. No, oh, okay. I don't know. I, how are you feeling about Liberty? If if there's an Ole Miss fan that's out there that's feeling a little bit weird about it, what do you say about the game then? Because you know Hugh Freeze is going to have him ready. Say what you want to about Hugh Freeze, and there's a lot to say. Trust me, I've said a lot of it. But Hugh Freeze, as a big game play caller, is one of the best in the business. I will say this: I cannot remember the name of the psychological fallacy that makes people remember the first 
uh, data set much more clearly than any other data set, but it is a well-known human defect where the first piece of information we are given about something is generally what we remember about it. Mm. And the perfect example of this is Tulane, where the first time anybody saw Tulane, they were playing Oklahoma all the way to the finish. That's right. And everybody thought, oh, man, this is a great Tulane team. They are hanging there with Oklahoma. And now, eight weeks later, they're getting ready to play Cincinnati, and that's the piece of information we're still using. We're ignoring the seven weeks of data in between because the first thing we heard about them is what we remember. Like a 61-21 loss to Ole Miss, for example. Liberty is a very similar situation where the first piece of information we get is, oh, gosh, this team won 11-1 and last year or whatever that record was. They got Malik Willis. They got Hugh Freeze. This team's explosive. Has that been the case the last couple of months? Not particularly. And when you remember Liberty as the team that probably should have been preseason top 25 instead of remembering them as the team that kind of got manhandled at the line of scrimmage against ULM. There's a, there's a disconnect here. And that's not to say Liberty's not a good team. And that's not to say this won't be their Super Bowl Cause I think in both cases, they are, they're a good team. That's going to be super motivated to play an Ole Miss team that is trying not to fall into a trap. But Ole Miss is still pretty clearly a better team. And if, if ULM was able to run roughshod over, um, over Hugh Freeze and Liberty, I still think that Ole Miss should be able to take advantage of that. If Malik Willis has shown at times this year that he presses and throws interceptions when he needs to come back, I think Ole Miss should be able to take advantage of that. <sighs> Liberty's offensive line should not be able to block Ole Miss's pass rush. That should force Willis to kind of have to make plays on his own. And we've seen scrambling quarterbacks hurt Ole Miss this year. Yes, we have. But, Bo uh, Nix did exactly what they expected him to do. Yeah, exactly. My point is, though, he doesn't have the the weaponry that Bo Nix and Bryce Young have. You speak about perception. Malik Willis is a first-round quarterback. That's still sticking, even though the evidence, the data, doesn't really back that up. I'll say this about Malik Willis. It's... He reminds a lot of people of Jalen Hurts. And Why? there is nothing wrong with reminding a lot of people of a guy who's a competent to below average NFL starting quarterback. He's better than below if, average. Come on. Jalen Hurts? Yes. If average means 16th, are you willing to call him 16 or better among NFL starting quarterbacks this year? Oh. I'm also completely grading on the curve of fantasy football. So a little biased there. <laughs> I, that's why I'm calling him competent to below. He's <laughs> okay. probably in the that's 18 fine. to 22nd best. Because you can be a great fantasy football quarterback and not a great real-life game day quarterback. But by, all of that is built up to say, if he's if Malik Willis is Jalen Hurts level good, yeah, I mean, you could you take that in the first round. If you're a team that is starting Taylor Heineke at quarterback right now, that's an upgrade. Matt Corral or, or Malik Willis? Right now, when they're both healthy, I'd take Matt Corral. Of course. But um, we'll see who's better on Saturday. And 
we'll see what NFL teams fall in love with. Cause I think your listeners know I am a Tennessee Titans fan. And that means I grew up watching Steve McNair, Vince Young, Jake Locker, and Marcus Mariota. I love me a good dual threat quarterback. I love me guys who are going to get out in space and run. So Malik Willis checks a lot of boxes for me. I like what he can do. I like what he can do, but it's kind of hard not to hold his competition against him. Is Matt Corral in any way effective negatively as far as the draft by being banged up and playing with what he's playing with right now? Only if it creates further injuries. Only if the uh, ankle is doing uh, long-term damage. Yeah, like if he has to have surgery or something. Yeah, if, if he's putting extra harm on his body for the sake of toughness, that hurts him long-term. But if, if the ankle is just sprained and it's sprained, and he's playing through a sprain, no, I, I don't think this hurts him at all. I think I've mentioned on this before that I think he's going to end up drawing a lot of comparisons to Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow. I love, love the Baker comp. I love that. Yeah, and I think that he's going to draw a lot of comparisons to those guys, particularly Baker, because of the way he plays and how competitive and how fiery he is. And I am a huge, huge Baker Mayfield guy. I think Baker Mayfield's got a chance to be a starting quarterback in that league for a long, long, long time. Well, he is a starting quarterback in that league, but at some point they're going to have to (laughs) kind of poop or get off the pot there. Oh, I agree. I'm just saying a lot of times when somebody's in year four, you don't see them having a year 17. But I do think he's a guy who can play that that, that kind of longevity. But, yeah, if Corral can be that guy, that's awesome. But we've also seen times in Corral's life when he has gone into gunslinger mode. And I think the old-fashioned gunslinger model in the NFL is kind of turning into, well, yeah, you can take those gambles if you're Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, or Justin Herbert. Everybody else has to be incredibly efficient. I think Matt Corral at worst is Drew Locke. That's you fill some time by talking. I'm going to try and think of my uh, my idea of what his worst case scenario is. That's the only thing I could come up with is Drew Locke. Now, I think you bring up a really good point how Matt's playing through pain and maybe trying to push through it and stuff like that. I don't know if he's doing that, but he's keenly aware. He has to be keenly aware that this Ole Miss team without Matt Corral is as average as it gets. Obviously, they'd be running a completely different offense. Who knows what they'd look like? And who knows who their quarterback would be? If they're trying to play this style of football with a replacement-level quarterback, right? yeah, four or five-win team. I I think I agree there. But as far as his NFL future, I think it's Drew Locke, and I love the Baker comp. And Baker's one of those guys. Would you rather have Baker or Jalen Hurts? (sighs) Right now, Baker, but Baker's also – being dumb and playing through a lot of pain right now. So the the comparisons between him and, and Corral do go pretty far. I don't think Corral's being dumb. I don't think he's hurting the team because I think he's better than the next best alternative. Oh, no, I think he's helping but, the team. He's doing the only thing he knows to do, and that's be everything for Ole Miss football. He's everything for this program right now. Everything. It's kind of remarkable how vulnerable Ole Miss is as a program without him. Can I – can I – uh workshop a take I've been formulating in my head that's uh, wild, but I think I could probably make a good argument for. Of course. Sam Williams has been Ole Miss's best player this year. Wow. Again, I'm workshopping it. I have well, here's the I only issue. come up with my background. You have to decide, in terms of football, what's most important, the dominant edge rusher or the quarterback? Because it's always been the quarterback is the most important position. 
But the dominant edge rusher, I mean, I'm thinking about Miles Garrett, thinking about Khalil Mack. Sam Williams has been a dominant college football edge rusher. I think he's those guys know, but he's turned himself into an undrafted player to a top four round player potentially because I think he's second in the SEC in sacks. He's been that good. And everyone will say, or nine times out of ten, the person will say, I want the quarterback. Even if it's an average quarterback, even if it's Ryan Tannehill, give me Ryan Tannehill over the best edge rusher because I can build more around that and get replacement-level players at defensive end, like the Cowboys have essentially done, around Demarcus Lawrence, and build a competent defense enough around the quarterback. The quarterback's where it all starts. So it just depends on where you fall in yeah. that spectrum. You will also notice I did not say most valuable. I said best. Yes, um, okay. And yes. if you're if you're comparing Corral against other quarterbacks and if you're comparing Williams against other defensive ends... It's not close. If we're doing the, the football equivalent of an OPS+, plus, <laughs> I would say that Sam Williams has been a better defensive end than Matt Corral has been quarterback this year. Wow. Again, just workshopping it. Well, but flush it out a little bit then. Flush it out then. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Let's, let's, walk, let's talk through it. Let's talk through it. Dude, right. Eight and a half sacks this year. I think yeah. three forced fumbles. Yeah. Um, a touchdown return and has, I don't know the number of pressures off the top of my head, but has been significantly more effective at getting to the quarterback than he has even bringing down the quarterback and for somebody who is usually double blocked almost every play because of the lack of blitzing that this team does or blocked in the back like he was at Auburn and not called you know I don't get into officiating because uh, I'm just as blind as everybody else but yeah I think that when you are getting the amount of attention he's getting and succeeding through it persevering through it compared to corral which Let's face it, let's say the words that nobody's allowed to say. Statistically, in almost every single way, has been worse this year than he was last year. But it's not his fault. I know it's not his fault. I get that. But you still do have to acknowledge reality. But the reality is what he's dealing with. Right. But it's the same thing as, okay, Mike Trout doesn't get to be the AL MVP because the Angels never make the playoffs. It's not Mike Trout's fault. But he's won the MVP three times. I know, but it's the same kind of argument. Oh, Alex Rodriguez doesn't deserve to win the AL MVP with the Rangers because the Rangers finished last. I mean, Elvis is not going to finish last, and Matt Crowell's in a better position than those guys, but you can't knock him for his stats. When you look out there and you see his offensive line is barely replacement level, and his wide receivers, he doesn't have his top three options. No, but you can look at other people who are producing and acknowledge that even though some guys have better things around them, they are producing at a rate that is still significantly better. Okay, Not fine. To if you took Matt Corral and replaced Bryce Young at Alabama with Matt Corral, he's walking away with the Heisman this year. Walking away with it. Maybe. Maybe that's true. But it, that doesn't change the fact that Corral is still behind a lot of those guys. So you don't think he's going to win the Heisman? No, I don't think he has a shot. Dude's thrown for like 240 passing yards a game. There are guys throwing 400 plus. I'm just saying that. You don't think he has a shot. I don't think he has a shot now that they've got two losses. So the only way he wins it then. No, no, no. I'm not rooting against the kid by any stretch. No, I get that. I'm just saying. I'm telling you. You would know better than me because I'm completely biased. All I do is cover Ole Miss. I don't watch any other teams really. I just do my job and I go home. You would know far better than me. And you know how the minds of committees and stuff work on a national stage, especially with the Heisman. So you're telling yeah, me... Like I'm sitting here 
Yeah. I'm sitting here and telling you as a Heisman voter, which is the dumbest humble brag because anyone can be a Heisman <laughs> voter. But as one who Did you know I'm in the I'm in the uh, Football Writers Association of America, sir. It's that kind of humble <laughs> brag. Like anybody can do that. I'm it's a joke. Yeah, it's the easiest thing in the world. Parrish Halford asks me and I said yes. That is how I became a Heisman voter. Um so but I bet you were really excited about it, unlike people like me who just think, eh, I don't want to put forth the effort. I don't want to watch other football games. Oh, it's very cool. But my point is, if you just gave me a blind resume of the 10 quarterbacks who have the best chance at getting it, Corral definitely wouldn't have the worst resume, and he definitely wouldn't have the best resume. And that's why you do have to watch the games, and you do have to factor in the difference between somebody who's playing with Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud's level of talent around them but you also can look at what Kenny Pickett's doing at Pitt and say, well, gosh, I mean, Pittsburgh doesn't have three NFL starters at wide receiver like Ohio State and Alabama, and Kenny Pickett's thrown up significantly better passing numbers than Matt Corral. That's Matt Corral is throwing to a Western Kentucky wide receiver, a converted quarterback, and a former four-star who had, what, five catches coming into the year? Ben, I will just encourage you to watch an <laughs> ACC game this year. All right. Okay. So fine. All right, Mr. Heisman voter. Again, I'm not saying he's having a no, 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 no. Who's your top five? One to five, right now. Gosh, it's kind of hard right now. Uh, uh, no. Because the season. No, no, no. I'm building to a point that I think right now, if the season ended, my vote would go to Kenneth Walker at Michigan State. Boo. I'm not trying to cop out and say it wouldn't be a quarterback, but right now, I think Kenneth Walker would. Nobody has meant more for a team. And if you want to talk about the value of Matt Corral, this dude's a transfer. Michigan State was nothing last year. Now they're a top five team that's running the ball. Like but Matt Corral like wins that argument. He wins that argument as far as his value Does to his he? team. Yes. Yes, he's the quarterback. You've acknowledged quarterback is the spot. It's still the spot. No, you said that, okay, and I fine. didn't change you. But you didn't challenge me, so I accepted it as you agreeing with me. Because my opinion is that the hardest position to play in football is cornerback. I disagree. Shut down corner that can take away half the field. That's about as valuable as having a quarterback who can control play. I think left tackle, but that's just me. I think that just the way football's changed, it's almost impossible to be a top level defensive back. No, that's true. You can't touch them anymore. You can't touch wide receivers. You can't do anything. You're right. The truly great defensive backs are so immensely valuable. I got you off topic again. All right. So Kenneth Walker's one. Who's the other four? Some combination of the four quarterbacks we've talked about. Where's uh, Matt? Corral. Matt's probably, you only get to vote for three. Right now, I'd probably vote him third. But I would be very willing to make an argument for somebody like Will Anderson at Alabama that's at a position that isn't a premium. I would be incredibly willing to listen to the argument for Jordan Davis at Georgia. I don't think it's a very good argument right now, but I'd listen to it. I will not listen to the Tyler Linderbaum argument because a center at Iowa will not win the Heisman Trophy this year. But That's my vote. That's my guy. Former offensive lineman talking here. He deserves it. It's about time. You're in the fraternity. What's wrong with you? Yeah. I, I mean, have you seen Iowa's offense? You want to reward that? I want to reward the best player. And if it's an offensive lineman, then so be it. I will say, if there was ever a time for the best defensive player in college football to get the award, it's this year. Could be. Yeah, and that's, that's the argument of what do you value? Is it Kayvon Thibodeau? Is it Will Anderson? Is it Jordan Davis? 
is it? I mean, before Kyle Hamilton got hurt, I thought he had a very legitimate case as a safety. But I don't know. It's going to be a tough year down the stretch because I voted for uh, Devontae Smith last year to win it, but I only voted him after, I, I only put him at the top of my board after Elijah opted out because I have eyes. And I thought that Elijah was every bit as good as, if not better, than Devontae Smith was last year. And then once Elijah opted out, I didn't have to break a tie between those two anymore. And I was happy to put Devontae at the first. That's, that's why the Tyson thing is so difficult is that people emerge late and that certain arguments become invalid late. I think last year my ballot was Devontae Smith, Kyle Trask, and Zach Wilson. It's not a perfect ballot, but it is kind of a good survey of what college football looked like last year. And if through nine weeks, however long the season has been going, my ballot this year was some combination of Kenneth Walker, Matt Corral, and Will Anderson – I think that'd be a pretty good indicator of how college footballs looks this year. But if my ballot was Kenny Pickett, CJ Stroud, and Bryce Young, I wouldn't feel bad about it. I was about to say, I'm not hearing a lot of Bryce Young from you. Yeah, Bryce Young is... My guess right now is that CJ Stroud's going to end up winning the Heisman Trophy. Really? But that's just my guess based on the fact that Ohio State is putting up uh, historic offensive numbers. We're talking one of the greatest offenses, if not the greatest offense of all time on a per play basis. Uh, and he might end up being knocked for um, having Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, but man, he's putting up stupendous numbers. Well, the reason I bring up a defensive player, Sinquez Golson in his senior year at Ole Miss in 2014 had 10, 11 interceptions, something like that. He's the first team all American. Now, I'm not saying Sinquez in this year would be a Heisman candidate, but if there was a defensive player with those kind of numbers, because I do think as a defensive player, it has to be a back-end guy, a corner, a safety, that could give you those gaudy stats. So somebody with double-digit interceptions among the team leaders and tackles, whatever it might be, all those combined, that's how in this year they could leapfrog any of these, oh, well, Matt Crowell or C.J. Stroud or Kenneth Walker, a Sinquez, for example, that blind resume, you go, oh, in this climate, I want to consider him. It would be appealing because he's doing something that other defensive backs aren't doing. True. I, if I wasn't in high school, I would have voted for Indomitian Sue to win it his junior year. I agree. To say yeah. you can give it to a, t- a top front guy. I voted Chase Young second his year. I would have voted him first if it wasn't for Joe Burrow throwing 60 touchdowns. Yeah, Joe Burrow did something that no one else will ever do. Well, you don't say never with this game anymore uh, because the game changes constantly. But still. We'd never seen it before until Joe, yeah. Joe Burrow did it. So, yeah, I agree with that. But guys like 100%. Chase Young, guys like um, and Sue, I'm trying to think if there are any other recent year guys. I think that uh, Jadavion Clowney's sophomore year, there was an argument that he probably should have been in the discussion. Miles, Miles Garrett, Garrett. Junior year, he probably should have been in the set discussion. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's going to be tough for a defensive player this year because – Devin White? I mean, Jordan Davis has – Devin White, maybe. Uh, Roquan Smith, maybe. There, there are some guys like that. But the problem for Jordan Davis is even if he has been the most disruptive player in college football this year, I think he has like two and a half tackles for loss. Like the stats aren't not just – they aren't just not gaudy. They're just like borderline impossible to interpret for football normies. It's like you want to talk about pressure rate as a stat and like double block absorption rate. I don't think we're ready to give a Heisman Trophy to that when we still have people arguing about pitching wins. 
We'll get right back to Nick Suss of the Jackson Clarion Ledger in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Chinese Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. What's your schedule looking like this fall? Don't answer that. I already know. Ole Miss football Saturdays, right? It's all back, and you're going to be there. Well, when you're making those trips, why not go in style? In the dream car, truck, or Jeep you've always wanted. Well, the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. They're going to get you into your dream car at a price point you can afford, and the process is going to be as seamless as possible. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now. I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. Well, Alan Samuels has been with me the longest. I myself have bought a car from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, and there's no better car buying experience. Make sure to ask for Byron or Mason and tell them that Talk of Champions sent you so that you can take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. It's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. It's the most wonderful time of the year. No, it's not Christmas time. It's football season, specifically Ole Miss football season. You want to be there, right? In the Grove, in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, cheering on the Rebels every single Saturday. The only way to do that is to make sure you're healthy, to take care of yourself, to have a pharmacy that you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Chinese Pharmacy a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Chinese Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Chinese also accepts all third-party insurance. Chinese Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down, it's not close. So give Chinese a call, 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head. And PXG has nailed the fitted breathable my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com slash TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com slash TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, so you do these really interesting stats pretty much after every game. Six games mm-hmm. are down. Ole Miss is six and two. Knock my socks off here. Give me some mind-blowing statistics from the mind of one Nick Suss. Caden Costa has made more 43 yard, or as many 43-yard field goals this season as every Ole Miss kicker has combined to make since the 2015 Egg Bowl. Whoa! That's one off the top of my head. Chance Campbell is the only player in college football with eight or more tackles for loss and two or more forced fumbles. Whoa! And we're using tackles for loss in the not counting sacks way of tackles for loss, not in the counting sacks way. But let's think. Um, the last SEC team to have two players run for 10 or more touchdowns in a season was 2017 Georgia with Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. Hmm. And it's November 1st, and Ole Miss has already achieved that with Corral and Snoop Connor. With Matt Corral. Here's one that Matt was definitely Corral. not. Um, if I'd have told you before the year, Ole Miss was going to have two running backs or just two rushers, not running backs, but rushers go for 10 touchdowns on the ground. Would you have ever predicted Matt Corral is one of them? I would have gotten there eventually. I mean, it's not like I would have guessed Orlando Amana before Matt Corral, (laughs) but if you gave me a limited number of guesses, no, he would have been my fifth guess. Who would have been your number one guess? Ely. Yeah. And that's the disappointing thing. But here's uh, here's one of my fun facts from this week that, uh, will definitely not rile up anyone who listens to this. The last time that Ole Miss had six or more red zone trips without a touchdown in a game was the 2018 game against Vanderbilt, where A.J. Brown may or may not have caught a touchdown. He did. He did not, legally. He did. Reasonably, he did. Legally, he did not. He did. That play should have been ruled in interception. It could not have been. Like, my point is... uh, Legally, there's absolutely no justification that it could have been ruled incomplete. It had to have been a touchdown or an interception. And the fact that they ruled it incomplete is one of the most incompetent things of officiating I've ever seen. That's been a problem, though. It rolls off. That's a problem. The SEC officiating this year, that's a real problem. I'm not just talking about this because Ole Miss fans are fired up after Auburn. But am I wrong here that SEC officiating, it's been bad for a while, but it seems really bad this year. I don't think it's any better or worse than normal. Well, that's not um, good. No, I, I just, I am of the opinion that anyone can be angry about any officiating play. Like I got an email today from a reader, and this isn't a criticism of this reader. Uh, this is a criticism of uh, logic where somebody criticized me of trying to hide behind objectivity for not criticizing the officials because clearly there were calls that weren't going against Ole Miss. But you're like Rob Lowe his, with the email, NFL hat on. In his email, this guy also says there's probably an argument 
that there should be a penalty called on every play. So why aren't they going at Ole Miss's favor? And here's the logical fallacy here. If there should be a penalty called on every play, the sport is broken. The issue here is not a grand conspiracy to keep Ole Miss down because logically it would benefit the SEC for Ole Miss to beat Auburn. Ole Miss draws good ratings and people talk about Lane Kiffin. No one's saying that. I'm simply asking the question. You don't oh, think I'm, there's a I'm problem? Ranting against a, I'm, okay. I'm ranting against a straw man. Okay. I'm not ranting against you. Okay. What is your question? Is there not a real problem with SEC officiating? No, there is a real problem with the density of the football rulebook. I don't think having four or five officials on a field is enough to officiate the game with the rules the place they are. You're not being contrarian, <laughs> Nick, here. You're not trying to take some quirky angle with it. You can have the best officials in the world and they will miss more calls than they correctly make because it is impossible to properly officiate the rulebook as it is currently legislated. There are too many penalties. If you want to take one very specific issue that everybody has been seeing since 2012 and talk about the incredibly loose and murky rules regarding ineligible receivers downfield. Do you want to talk about, you would need somebody whose full-time job is to just watch offensive linemen and guess where they're going within two yards of the line of scrimmage. Like, you would need a full-time official just to watch that with the way RPOs have changed college football. And if you want to go from that to holding penalties, if you want to go to the minute distinction between neutral zone infraction, encroachment, and offsides, and whether an offensive lineman is allowed to react to certain penalties... It's bonkers how many rules football has. You compare it to basketball. How many rules are there in basketball? Don't touch the other person. Like, <laughs> it's a pretty easy sport to, to follow. And that's why when you complain about a bad call in basketball, it's because everybody in the world can see the call was bad. Yeah. But if you're talking about, like, the pancake block that Nick Broker was called for holding on against Auburn the other day, In order to understand why that is or is not holding, you need to make about four different logical leaps about the rules of hand placement and how quickly a receiver or a blocker has to get off of a man he has knocked to the ground. Like that rule itself is probably two pages of the rule book. Whereas in baseball, if the ball's in your glove, he's out. Like it's a complicated sport. And I'm not defending the officials. I'm saying we need to simplify the sport we love because it's a meme that nobody knows how targeting works. But that's bad that nobody, including the people involved in the game, understand how the rules work. Well, as far as baseball is concerned, it's time for robot ops. Yeah. No, I agree that judgment has become an impediment to the reality of the sport. But But judgment isn't the problem in football. It's not the problem in football. You're kind of convincing me here. The rule book is a little too deep, a little too thick. There's too much going on. Football's too complicated of a sport, and we love the complication of it. But as we're talking on this show, uh, to let people behind the curtain, I am pacing laps around the living room of my house. And every time I get back to the point I started, I have my laptop open and there's a soccer game playing. And I'm just keeping up with the soccer game like once every 20 seconds. And I've learned the rules of soccer this year. I wasn't a soccer fan before this year. But it took me all of about three games watching the sport to understand just about every rule of soccer. 
You tell me that somebody who's never watched American football before. Oh God. Explain it to them to watch the games on. No, I'm saying let's put the games on mute. They don't get the benefit of reading about it, hearing announcers talk. They have to make up what they think the rules of the game are just simply by watching an all 22 footage. How many games do they have to watch before you can confidently say they can tell you the rules of football? A full season, at least. It's like I was talking about this the other day. Do you know there's a rule in the football rule book <laughs> where if a kick returner has one foot out of bounds and one foot in bounds when he recovers a kick, he can decide if he wants to return that kick or if he wants to have it ruled a kick out of bounds. So, like theoretically, when a so ball he just gets to decide corner, if Jerry and Ely, yeah, if Jerry and Ely puts one foot out of bounds and one foot in bounds, and maybe this rule has been changed. Maybe this is a vestigial remain that I learned about in high school, but I did learn about this in high school that if you have one foot in bounds and one foot out of bounds as a kick returner, and you touch the ball, that ball can theoretically be ruled as an illegal kick out of bounds, even if it's in bounds. I had no idea. You could just return it. I had no idea. Imagine aliens come down to Earth. In the game when you can legally touch out of bounds. Well, imagine. Who cares? If aliens came to Earth and you had to explain baseball, easy. Basketball, easy. Soccer, easy. Football? No. Where do you even begin? I got two questions do you guys for know you. about free kicks? Do you know that free kicks are legal in football? Free kicks. Yeah. So if you fair catch a punt, you can legally choose to put the ball down on a tee where you fair caught it and kick it, and if it goes through the upright, you get three points. <laughs> no idea. I had no idea. I fully acknowledge it. I am one that quickly admits I don't know something. I had no idea. Okay. You convinced we me. We did it when I was in high school. My coach knew that rule, and as time was expiring in the first half, we fair caught a punt around the 60-yard uh, – not the 60-yard line, about 60 yards away, for, for about around the 40-yard line. And we attempted a free kick, and we were wide right. But we had somebody who had the leg to off a tee hit from 60 yards. Um, it's a thing. There's these weird vestigial remains from rugby and all these other sports that uh, football came from. The sport's too complicated. And anyone listening to this at this point is a sicko. I'm sorry that you guys are still listening to us talk about the weird, obscure football minutiae that I know. Well, I do love but, watching, like, for example, on Sunday when a running back is stopped short and then the offensive line, there's this big scrum and the defensive players are all surrounding him, trying to stop him, and the offensive players keep pushing him, keep pushing him. He gets into the end zone. It's a touchdown. That's rugby. And that's all I think every time. Oh, there's rugby. Hey, we're watching rugby. This is a variation of rugby. That's what football is. Okay, I got two questions for you. I got to let you go. One. Okay. Is Lane Kiffin the head coach of Ole Miss next year? More likely he is than he isn't, I'd say. Number two, what was more important for you this weekend? Football game that you've covered a thousand times or the fact that you're getting married? Congratulations, man. Yes, I, I did get engaged. It is uh, incredibly remarkable that I found somebody who uh, looks at my quirks <laughs> and says, oh, hell yeah. I want that. So, You're delightful. You're optimistic. I can buy it. Good for you. I do want to meet her though, because I got questions about your taste and certain and your takes about certain television shows and things like that. Because I want to know if she agrees with you here or if she pushes back like she should against some of this nonsense. Oh, she she does push back, and I will give her all the credit in the world for that. But I will tell one story. I don't divulge too much about my personal life, but here is one that uh. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to bust you out. Woman. But you no, put no, it on no, Twitter. I okay. I tweeted this. Okay. It's fine. Um, what I will say this is a minor story from when I was in Knoxville. 
uh, she was at a bachelorette party that weekend. And there was a point where she left the bachelorette party to go outside to call me to inform me that if the, at the beginning of the song, Want to Want Me by Jason Derulo, <laughs> instead of him customarily doing what he normally does and singing, Jason Derulo, this time he just whispers, Derulo. And she had to leave a bachelorette party to call me and tell me that fact. And it's about the happiest I've ever been. Oh my God, you um, found your perfect match. Holy cow. It is fantastic. And I am a very lucky person. And if you take nothing else away from this podcast, remember that at the beginning of Want to Want Me by Jason Derulo, <laughs> he whispers his own name. All they're going to take away is more likely than not that Lane Kiffin is the head coach of Ole Miss next year. And I threw that at the very end after 50 minutes. And we talked for like 15 minutes about the rule book that I'd rather us talked 50 minutes about Lane Kiffin. But no. I stuck it at the end. That's, that's what December and January and February and March are for. We, we'll get to that uh, when we need to. Well, related to that then, did Manny Diaz save his job on Saturday? For now. I think he's gone no we'll matter see. what. I think he's gone. I, I just wish, and this is a podcast for a different day because we've already gone for an hour. Yes. I just wish that more people would listen to their own advice when they're talking about Kentucky and Mark Stoops. If everyone in the world is like, man, the thing that's making Kentucky so great is they were so patient and they gave Mark Stoops time, and now look at them. Why can't any other school be a little bit patient? And I'm not saying I think Manny Diaz is Mark Stoops. But what I am saying is when you're a school like Miami that has gone through, what, seven head coaches since its last time it was truly relevant, six or seven head coaches, or when you're a school like Florida – that gave up on Jim McElwain one year removed from being back-to-back SEC East champions and is now considering giving up on Dan Mullen because he's having one struggle of a year. Um, I don't know. When you get to a certain point like that, I just think, is the lesson of modern college football not that consistency is key? I don't know. If, you're, if, you, too, if you do totally believe in the idea of culture building and that the way – to win in modern college football is not with superior coaching or superior players, but with the ability to attract both at all times. <sighs> I don't know. I just think that getting rid of Manny Diaz in year three or whatever this is uh, just feels antithetical to the lessons we've learned. As quickly as you can. Number one, is Gary Patterson cooked? Uh, maybe. I mean, he's, if he wants to retire right now, uh, have a happy Hall of Fame career. He's been great. If Olmus had to go hire a coach would you rather have Jeff Levy Gary Patterson anybody else or let's just put it make it easy because I think that Ole Miss could go any number of directions but let's just make it easy for the sake of this conversation for a minute Gary Patterson or Jeff Levy I'd rather have Levy right now just because I can see more longevity but man if the if the opening does come clean and Ole Miss can hire anybody there are a lot of names that will be thrown out there but let me just first be the first to throw out Todd Monken's name. Why? Because he's a really good coach. I know that. I don't know. You can't go from Lane Kiffin to Todd Monken. You can. Well, you can. You. Well, you can. You know what I'm saying. I don't know. I'm not an Ole Miss fan. I'm somebody who watches Ole Miss professionally. Me too. Uh, so I, I only can, went to I Ole Miss. Say things like that. I only went to Ole Miss, married an Ole Miss girl, grew up an Ole Miss fan, and cover Ole Miss for a living, even though I try to do my best. Look, I admit it. Uh, there's going to be bias there no matter what. But you don't have to call me on it, damn it. 
I'm just more calling myself on. I just enjoy the aesthetics of football, and I like the type of football he coaches. What direction I'm would they go? Saying hire Paul Johnson. I do think that Lane Kiffin's going to be back next year, just for right now. But if the right job opens up, danger territory. Miami is one of them. LSU, obviously. He's always going to flirt. He's always going to be tempted. I'm not going to run away from that and try to make an Ole Miss fan feel better. Say, oh, yeah, Lane Kiffin's coming back when there is a real chance he could be gone. Do I think he'll be back? Yes, for a number of reasons. But there are a number of reasons why I could convince myself pretty darn quickly that he's going to be gone after this year, too. So I don't want to give anybody a false sense of security about any of that. But if they did have to make the move, if they did have to go hire a coach, what direction do you think they would go? I think they would, I think they would continue with the idea of offensive innovator who will sell tickets. Who is that? I, that's, that's why I don't think Gary Patterson is the guy, just because I don't think anybody's going to get excited about Gary Patterson. I mean, oh, the, the I would not who, be a fan of Gary Patterson for Ole Miss. I think that'd be a terrible idea. I'm just trying to put some different thoughts in the brain, consider what they might be uh, looking at here if they did have to make a move. So who is that person then? Have we talked about on here how frustrated I am with the lack of creativity when it comes yes, to coaching? Yes, we have. we have. I'm trying to think of, yeah, I'm trying to think of, of who a good fit would be, who you'd want to go out and get. Uh, I don't think that they'd hire a coordinator if it wasn't Levy. Some, let me rephrase. I don't think they'd hire somebody with no head coaching experience if it wasn't Levy. Um, but... The problem with um, Brian Harson would have been the guy for me, but he's at Auburn <laughs> that now. Could have been, yeah, that really could have been. I, I think that right now is Ole Miss a better job than TCU and Texas Tech? Yes, it's harder to win. It's a better job, but it's harder to win. So I don't know. Let's see if the Ole Miss job comes available. Um, where it ends up landing on the hierarchy. If you're a betting man, though, you would say Lane Kiffin back next year. I would, but uh, let's 100% make it clear I am not a betting man. I think gambling is one of the dumbest things a human being can do. Don't you dare. Don't you dare start there. You're lucky we're out of time. He's Nick Suss. He covers Ole Miss for the Jackson Clarion Ledger. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. He's at Nick Suss. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars, this podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of on3.com. I did not mean to keep you an hour, but I love talking to you. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate you. I love talking to you too, buddy. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.